Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And joining us today, we have two special guests. We have our friend Aaron from the Book Brood is here. Say hi, Aaron. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me back again. Yay! And the lovely Stacy Agdern, author Stacy Agdern, is here on the podcast with us. Ma'am, tell us how you are doing this year. Hi, everybody. Um, thank you guys for having me. Um, <laughs> this year has been wild and crazy, but so much fun. I can't even begin to tell you. Um, it's just been wild. It's just been so much fun, and I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. So, okay. Give us a pitch. Tell our listeners about your books. Mm -hmm. So the Friendships and Festival series is about three different friends who, through a holiday season or a festival, either find or rediscover love, learn about themselves, learn about something that's happening in the world at the time, and find their own way to a happily ever after. Your books are with Thule, so you're a category author. Yeah. What line yeah. do they fall under? Is it is American it the holiday Heart. line? American yeah. Heart. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So tell us your publishing journey. It's it's a long one. Um, <laughs> I started so I was I spent ten years or so as a bookseller, but when I was a bookseller, I learned a lot, and I'd always written always. Um, my first piece like and I reviewed for years as well pretty much like from about I want to say like maybe 2007 2006 to like 2016 I think I reviewed like semi-regularly for like pretty much anybody who would have me <laughs> um and then the first published piece that I was a part of was an anthology called Going All In um, with Isabeau Kelly and Cassandra Carr, um, the very first of the Empire series, Hockey Romance, Hockey Paranormals. And then in 2015, I was uh, part of the Burning Bright anthology published by HarperCollins Avon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the first traditionally published Hanukkah anthology. Wow. Um, Interesting. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Which was, it was, it was the thing I never expected. It was myself, it was Megan Hart, KK Hendon, and Jennifer Grayson, who mm -hmm. in 2019 opened the door for me at Thule with a book called Holidays in Manhattan. Um, I had signed with Thule in, in 2019 as her book was coming out, as her interfaith romance was coming out and it was mm -hmm. the first that they had done and um in 2020 uh miracles and menorahs was released and it was my first solo title which was wild and amazing and exciting and since then uh two other books uh, history of us in june and december was and october of this year was uh love and latkes so mm -hmm. wow it's so did the bookseller setting along with reviewing, just kind of like amplify that desire of like, I want to do this? Or were, had you already been like pursuing it? Like paint the I picture was, for us. So I was already pursuing it. I was already writing. But I think one of the things that being a bookseller and reviewer did was it made me a better writer and someone that was more under uh, that understood more about the genre. Mm -hmm. Like, when you're pursuing publication, you can tend to be a bit single-minded about your focus. And it's sometimes difficult when all you can see is your own light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. Mm -hmm. But 
I was literally up to my neck in everything. You know, I knew the, you know, I knew how the category lines worked and like when they got pub, you know, when they came into the store, I knew the new releases I had to pay, you know, I knew, um, you know, I was look, I was the romance buyer in the store. So I was looking at the catalogs for the single title books as well. I was looking, I had to know what was coming, like what the trends were and Mm -hmm. what people were reading despite or in conjunction with the trends. You know, I talked to authors, I talked to marketing people, I talked to a whole bunch of people. And at, as that was going on, I was also involved in a local writing group. So we were, so I was getting that aspect of things as well. Um, you know, the editors and agents who were coming into the, um, who were coming into the writing group as well. So I was getting, I was getting a pretty broad picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily help everyone. Not everyone has the same path, but it definitely helped me. Because when it was time for me to figure out what kind of stories I wanted to write, I had the background. I knew what I knew what was going to be expected of me. I knew yeah. what the books had to be like. I knew what to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. you're like literally as a bookseller, you see what exactly. people are buying and what. Mm-hmm. what they're not mm-hmm. buying <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. like and it was an interesting thing because people would say oh this is really popular right now give us and an then example. i'd go into give us an example give us an example um I'm a ner- we're nerds for stuff like that <laughs> so one of the things that people talk about all the time is the perennial life cycle of the paranormal romance mm-hmm Mm-hmm. semi-regularly you hear oh it's dead no <laughs> it's just that you don't it's just that it's not being published it doesn't necessarily mean people don't want to read it me i want to so, read it <laughs> <laughs> yes but like yeah like and the thing is like i had my readers you know all of them were like okay i want i want paranormal where are my vampires or like mm-hmm. you know or you know who else you know coming you know they would want witches or they'd want shifters or they'd want etc 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 and like mm-hmm. there were periods of time where that was impossible and like books that i hadn't looked at five years you know like two years before then all of a sudden in this dark age you know in this like fallow period for lack of a better word like i was searching for these books because i was like i had my readers who were insatiable about it mm-hmm. um but like you know, there are always people like if if it is done, like if it is if a publishing goes goes in as I said, publishing goes in ebbs and flows, mm-hmm. and there are always and if you do if publish and if editorial publishes these books that gets readers' attention, they're always going to want more of them, no matter mm-hmm. whether editorial is ready to sell them or not. It's you know, it's a constant truth. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that makes any sense at all, is, is the best is the is, is the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I look at it like we're only. I don't want to say we're only going to read what we have access to, but I kind of get bothered when I hear like, "Oh, this subgenre mm-hmm. is dead," and it's like, "Well, no, there are people no. that want to read it, but like, we can't physically really. Like, you can't go to the Barnes and Noble." And pick up a bunch of shifter romances anymore. So mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. get it because yep. it's not there. But yeah. that doesn't mean that we don't want to read it. But yeah, exactly. clearly we do because go on Kindle Unlimited. 
Yes. Look at Indy. Exactly. Indy is exactly. like so that's clearly. <laughs> and one of it was re- it's really interesting. I actually speaking of like Indy and can in Kindle Unlimited, um, there's a, a series that was recently um, taken from Kindle Unlimited and published traditionally. Yeah. I mean, one of the many. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about like parallels, right? Like this, that that phenomenon has been happening for a while. The problem was when they first started doing it, they didn't add extra content. There wasn't an incentive mm-hmm. for people to buy. Mm-hmm. the traditionally published version of the previously indie oh, type published yeah. title. So what would happen would be, you know, money would be made, you know, the, the, the deal would be made. Mm-hmm. The previously indie book would be published traditionally. You'd expect them to, you'd expect people to be purchasing all of these ty- all of these copies of the book. And yet they wouldn't. And why? Because there's no reason to. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Where is, in the very recent example that I can think of, and I'm thinking like Ice Planet by Bar- Barbarians, like mm-hmm. there is extra content. And I think yeah. that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was also a bookseller when The Marriage Bargain made it into bookstores for the first time, but Jennifer Probst. So like I am, like I was literally knee deep in that sort of period of time, which was fascinating. <laughs> Wow, I didn't realize that yep. that was mm-hmm. interesting. Yes, that was that was that was during my tenure uh, tenure as a bookseller. Aaron is here, and he has been just fantastically doing his category journey, which we're huge fans of. So, yes. with yeah, having you. you here, what mm-hmm. was your category journey? How did you get into reading category romance? Well, as I said, reading category romance is one of the things that came from being a bookseller. Okay. Like, I was a latecomer to romance. You know, I started reading paranormal. I started reading historical. I started reading contemporary. Um, you know, I read the older Nora Roberts categories that I didn't realize were categories because that's how they were sold. You know, the 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 three three book three stories in a in a in a collected edition. Oh, yeah. um, they still do that. Yeah, Queen Nora's books. <laughs> oh yeah, Queen <laughs> Debbie as well. Yeah, oh, they're the Queen the bind ups. <laughs> they've 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 done it with anybody who has gone from and there's there's a lot of people who've done this as you guys know mm-hmm. but like they they've done this with anybody who started in category and made a a career for themselves in single title afterwards mm-hmm. you know you rarely see it and I might you know you rarely see it with people who are exclusively in category unless like Unless it's someone like, oh God, um, I don't even know. But like, you have authors with reputations. Like, yeah. they've done it with Brenda Jackson. They've done it with like Rochelle Ehlers. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the collected volume sets. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I didn't really start reading category itself until I was working in the bookstore. Because what happened was that because I was in charge of the romance section, the category section was my responsibility. Clearly, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I was the one who unpacked those books and put them out in the very specific ways that I, you know, that they, that they needed to go, like, at the beginning of the month and then at the middle of the month, the diff- I had, had to know the differences between the two different, um, mm-hmm. you know, the two different groups of Harlequins and Silhouettes at the time and then mm-hmm. the... Um, and some of the titles started to look fascinating to me. So I would pick them up 
Um, and then, of course, as I was trying to, I was also pursuing publication at the time. And so, you know, brand new lines that had things that I like to read about fascinated me. So, you know, the anything from like the NASCAR line to like yes. the, um, oh my God, yes, to like, <laughs> um, you know, to the bombshells um, mm-hmm. were where I started. Um, Presents came later because I was told, no, you really have to read this author's books. Of course, I'm talking about Maisie Yates. Um, <laughs> and because she, her, the way she writes a presents, she, she writes a presents like nobody. Um, like, yeah. And then um, she's either when she's mentioned on this podcast, Sarah either says the always wonderful Maisie Yates mm-hmm. or we say Maisie fucking Yates. Like she's yeah, no, she is when it comes to presents, like if you think about like who was responsible for one of the one of the big writers responsible for sort of changing and sort of. Yes with like working within that specific reader need was like i mean like you think about like what she did like oh god the like the billionaire the billionaire heroine story um the heroine was a video game creator and like yeah yeah i know which one you're talking about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think she she does i mean she's so good at (laughs) it because we know she loves she loved to read them too so that's and that's that's the thing like that's where like those are the those are the authors who do them best like Mm -hmm. i get the same sort of feeling from jadisola james Mm -hmm. i love her stuff and i can't wait to see what she does next because like again like you have that feeling same with marcella bell like Mm -hmm. like i love the fact that when they come to presents they come with that excitement about the line. Like that's really like, those are, those are the best writers like in category, the ones who come in and go, I love this so much. I can't wait to like write mine. And you can Mm -hmm. see that you can read that. When we first connected, you Mm -hmm. were very adamant about, I loved the bombshell line. Mm -hmm. So yes, this was my first bombshell when you first reached out to us i bought Mm -hmm. the three books in this trilogy Uh uh-huh i know aaron we hit him up and he's like anytime i see one at the thrift store yep (laughs) i buy one (laughs) yes he just buys them yep so for anyone okay the thing with bombshell is it's hard to explain so how would you describe the line so at its core um it's uh like romantic thrillers Right, like that's literally what it is. Like at its core, it's a romantic thriller, mm-hmm. mostly first-person POV from the female main character's perspective. Mostly, in a lot of cases, traditional thriller plots written as romance novels from the hero- from the main female character's perspective. Mm-hmm. Like you have the adventurer when you think about like Evelyn Vaughn, you think about Olivia Gates's books, you have the, you know, the, the lone detective story, you know, whether it's a contemporary or if, you know, or a futuristic, you have a lot of the military stuff, like the mm-hmm. Medusa series or the, um, Yes. Well, the Athena Force is the continuity series. Like yeah, that's the yeah. traditional hallmark of like that. Yeah. Um, but like I'm thinking, like, oh, like Medusa's the tactical, the Victi Hins tactical series, and mm-hmm. you have, um, oh God, Shannon McKenna's helicopter pilot series. Like yes. you have those, but you also have something like the It Girls, the Jewel Thief books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw like Death 
Dead is the New Black. It was like Harper a vampire Allen. series. Yeah, for vampires. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a I'm great like, series. <laughs> yep, that's a great series. Yep. There are a bunch of really cool, like I think Erica mm-hmm. Orloff did a series too, and then Patricia Rosemore had one. Yes. Um. So like, but the thing, but like, they were all that sort of. They were all romantic thrillers, whether it was contemporary, paranormal, futuristic, doesn't matter. Like. They were all thrillers. Like mm-hmm. I have, I've got a bunch of mine that I grabbed just because um, <laughs> I'm just going to pull like, and then the veiled legacy, the Madonna key suit, like the Madonna key series, which is again, like another author driven continuity series, like the it girls. I think the it girls was author driven. I don't remember, I but so. um, like there's, yeah, this is, this is Athena force contemporary version of the Athena Force books. I love this book so much. Well, Cindy Dees is amazing. She wrote the Mazuses. Um, but like, I love. Oh, I've got an Athena Force list. one here by Catherine yes. Yeah. Yep. How are you finding these, Erin? I've never seen one in person. <laughs> like at the thrift then, store. Um, I've got most of them, most of mine are Avalon, but then there's, of course, I can't help myself. But yeah, the Madonna Key series had really, really great covers. Like, Agreed all of them because again like they were headache they were it was that author driven like author focused you know trying to stop the apocalypse series all across the world it was fantastic it was you know it was like family it was quest it was all of these wonderful things about it um and then of course this is my other collection these are the other two lost calling books that i have other the other two madonna key books that i have oh yes lost calling and what's the other one and seventh key which is the last one okay which oddly enough is which sadly enough is also the last of the um bombshell line of the line that's right yeah okay so just some of the notes that i took so the the, the line ran from 2004 through 2007. So my mind, I'm like, what was going on prior to these years that would inspire a line like this, which I want to hear y'all's thoughts. So um, the first four, we have Daughter of Destiny by Lindsay McKenna. Makes mm-hmm. sense that she would be part of this line because I'm pretty yep. sure Lindsay McKenna was in the military. Yep. Um, and she still writes military romantic suspense mm-hmm. um, along with Proof by Justine Davis, who still mm-hmm. writes for romantic suspense and Thule Publishing's Texas Born mm-hmm. line. Um, mm-hmm. Get Blondie by Carla Cassidy, who now writes for both romantic suspense line and intrigue. Mm-hmm. And Code Name Dove by Judith Leon, who hasn't, unfortunately, that I could find released anything since 2007. It was a four book a month line. Yeah. Great. It had 124 books, according to mm-hmm. Fiction Database, which sometimes is wrong, but we're just going to go with it. So I was like, okay, what was going on in the world prior to this? So. In 2002, the first Spider-Man film released. Uh, The 20th James Bond film, Die Another Day, co-starring the wonderful Holly Berry, came out. (laughs) So, Sarah, your your NCIS-type shows premiered. Yankee White aired on September 23rd, 2003. Um, And Pirates of the Caribbean. So all these, like, action-type things were going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, not very many, like, female-led things were going on i was trying to see like what was popular in romance but it was a lot of like still old school historicals so the lists weren't really that accurate so what do you all think of initial thoughts on the line and what kind of would have led up to it and do we feel like the presence of a line like this is missing now like would this line work now 
So I actually think this was piggybacking off of um, some CW shows around the same time. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, the, so the Joss Whedon one specifically, this AKA goddess seemed to really ride that, that vibe of the sort of action heroine uh, in, in the, the uh, AKA goddess story. So the, you know, the, the, her being a professor and, and being educated and, and the whole treasure hunt and stuff and, and being experienced in martial arts and everything, as well as that, that kind of melodrama that was specific to those kind of shows. So the back and forth relationship and everything is, was something I really kind of, I don't know if it was just, you know, that was, that was my sort of, so I guess I was in college at that time, early in college, but uh, I guess I was noticing the young adult push more around that time of, of the um, those kind of themes and things like that. So uh, that's that's my theory uh, with, yeah. with what uh, what they were going for here. Uh, as far as today, absolutely, I think something like this could um, it would have to take a different shape. Uh, then, then these specifically, you know, it have to be polished for the, the modern day and everything. But mm-hmm. I definitely think something like this would is is sought after. Oh yeah, I was just thinking because, okay, this is just my. It, I'm posing this as a question. You know how with romantic suspense, it doesn't get a lot of love sometimes. It has its diehard fans, but there's also mm-hmm. that the romance taking the the sideline. It's the suspense sometimes doesn't work for readers and as I was reading this I was like would readers read this because like in aka goddess specifically it is action heavy from Mm -hmm. the first page I I was messaging Sarah and I was like I don't even know if a romance is going to happen in this I was like trying to get her to give me spoilers like is there an actual romance in the book (laughs) I was like I don't know like so what do you think about that do you think did readers go into this because people love it, right? I posted it on Twitter and we had a friend that was like, I love this series, this and Reva, she wishes they would bring back. So people loved it. Yeah. But I just know that I hear so much of like, people are bothered when the romance in a romance novel takes the back seat. So I'm like, how did they pull this series off? One of the things that I think a lot about um, Suzanne Brockman, Roxanne mm-hmm. St. Clair, um, who else was writing? Like, roman- people were writing romantic thrillers. Janita Lowe. Yeah. Like, that was the other thing that sort of, like, you've got the CW series, but you also have the, the heyday of the romantic thriller. Mm-hmm. You know, like, right around this time, I actually think, if memory serves, I cannot remember who it was, but this was a, a thriller writer who should never have done this, but he basically tried to write a female SEAL series that just failed miserably. I mean, his his female characters had the depth of, of, of scotch tape. Um, <laughs> and, and like... The depth she, you don't want to have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like especially when you're writing mm-hmm. a female, as you know, a female character, like a central female character driven thriller series. But like that was happening at that point. Also, David Baldacci wrote, um, I want to say a, a book called True Blue with a strong sister relationship, but basically a romantic thriller, except, you know, not mm-hmm. ever called that way because that's what it was. But like, you had these like, pushes from the thriller side towards romance Mm -hmm. 
I'm trying to I'm trying to remember when like Christopher Rice published that book of his that was like uh that had this like subplot of a relationship and I cannot remember it. Cannot remember when it was published. Can't remember the title. Like it was a military book where like the brother went to see what happened to his brother and basically fell in love with either the commanding officer or like a friend of his from the mil- brother the friend of the brothers from the military. I can't even remember what it was. Mm-hmm. But it was like published right around this time or shortly mm-hmm. thereafter. So like then readers were searching, readers could find that strength, that depth of thriller and action. And also like people were also thinking about Indiana Jones, the, you know, that sort of swashbuckling character in Star Wars and thinking like, oh, wait a second. And so that was also, I think, and I'm trying to remember there was something else that was kind of running through my head. And again, if I'm babbling, I'm sorry. You're fine. <laughs> um, there was this sort of like draw towards that strong romantic thriller and sort of like and that's where it came from today it would probably like it would probably have to be more integrated into the story because even thrillers have changed and the subject matter Mm -hmm. for sure would have to change Mm -hmm. can we just say too like these books are kind of (laughs) thick the bombshells are kind of thick yep Coming from the reader's perspective, like at the time that these came out, I'd been reading Category for about five or six years. And I remember the hints on eharlequin.com. I'm going back at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. These were coming. These were coming. And I remember this This was actually the first subscription box I ever ordered was the bombshell line. And I had like, I have my original first four that came in that subscription box. But I remember because I've always loved Intrigue. I've always loved the intimate moments slash romantic suspense. And suddenly now, like if you go back to 04 and think about it, the intrigue and the romantic suspense books, they were being saved. The damsel in distress was being saved. Whereas the bombshell was she's Mm -hmm. kicking ass and saving the day. And I was thrilled. So like as a reader, that's what I think. And I still think like you were saying, this could absolutely work today with a few tweaks. I definitely think some things would need to be changed. But I don't see why we can't. But the thing is now what I'm seeing a lot more, because I still read a lot of intrigue, we're now seeing a lot more, no longer the damsel in distress. She's the one now. So they're integrating that a lot more now, whereas back then they weren't. So that's just my two cents. (laughs) I like that two cents. Evelyn Vaughn. I couldn't find anything on her, but she does have a website still, but it's under Yvonne Jocks. Mm -hmm. Yvonne Jocks. And she has tons of information out there about the series. So just a little bit about her. Prior to Silhouette Bombshell, she published four titles under Silhouette's Shadow Line, which is like horror and romance. From what I could find, she had one intimate moment called Buried Secrets. She was part of a paranormal anthology Harlequin put together in 2008. Then she released a romantic suspense um, in 2009 called Night in in Blue Jeans, Mm -hmm. (laughs) K-N-I-G-H-T. Yep. Um, And then the follow-up book to that, um, which was her final book, Underground Warrior, in 2011. And she hasn't published anything since. So is she a favorite of yours? How did you find Evelyn Vaughn? I found the series first. Mm -hmm. I found AKA Goddess and fell in love with that book. You know, I was I was reading, you know, all of the romantic thrillers, you know, I loved like the glow series, you know, Jeannie Delos, like everybody's up to their necks in espionage. I loved 
like the troubleshooter series that Suzanne Brockman was writing at the time. Like I loved all of this stuff in single title. So like Bombshell and what she did, what Evelyn Vaughn did was a slight skip step basically over from what I was reading in single title to category. And one of, and like the book sort of, the book grabbed me, Mm -hmm. you know, um, not just the action aspects of it, but the flashbacks. Like, I am a sucker, as I have, I may have explained once or twice before, I'm a sucker for the impossible relationship. It's it's one of those things that, like, I I literally was like, I loved the action, but I also love those flashbacks. And mm-hmm. I love, like, how everything tied together. Mm-hmm. And, like, those flashbacks are what I go back to. I, you know, I, I read, you know, the other parts of it, but like I, the flashbacks are what I go back to mm-hmm. that sort of like emotion of, of that story. And then mm-hmm. I just read everything since then. And fun fact, I don't know if, if that came up in research, but like the two um, night in blue jeans and the sequel to that are actually sort of spinoffs of this series. In, in oh, okay. oh, interesting! That, yep. I did not know that. Yeah, benefit of bookseller. I had I got an early copy because um, of a night in blue jeans because I was a bookseller and because I was very excited about the the prospect of potentially continuing the series after the bombshell line closed. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was it actually wasn't AKA Goddess, which is the first in the series. It was something wicked. Because everything was being inundated with vampires. And I am not about the... I could care less about the vampires, to be completely honest. They're not my thing. But I'm like... Your Anne Rice days are over. (laughs) Give me Anne Rice. Give me a real vampire. Not this Twilight vampire. But anyway, (laughs) when I read that book, I went, oh my God, this is the craft grown up. Like that movie, The Craft. And and everything Mm -hmm. else that you said about the way that she writes, but just to suddenly see, and I'm like, I wanted more of this. So then I just started hunting her. And I love everything that she writes regardless. Yeah. But it was that book that really hooked me for her. Yeah, this one I was nerding out about because, I mean, and she provides this information on her website. Like she must have been asked, how can you have more than one Grail Keepers book? right when there's like one supposed holy grail and she's like no 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 (laughs) as far (laughs) as i know as far as research shows there's like three possible holy grails so i was like this woman did her research Mm -hmm. and i love when you can put some nerdy stuff in there and tie in a romance i was like oh this is good Mm -hmm. (laughs) i feel like you don't see a lot of that anymore exactly (laughs) and this was one of the earl so this was the seventh bombshell this was Mm -hmm. early into Mm -hmm the series Mm -hmm. which i thought was fantastic and it won some awards so it won the rita for best novel with strong romantic elements best silhouette bombshell from romantic times best series novel from all Mm -hmm. about romance and best silhouette bombshell from kataromance.com which i tried to track down there's a facebook page but good luck getting in because ain't nobody been on there since 2016 But for anyone interested in reading The Grail Keepers, uh, from her website, she says they're special women and a few particularly special men who are part of an ancient legacy to protect goddess chalices and their secrets. Women with more than a passing connection to goddesses themselves, but with great power comes great enemies and allies. And Mm -hmm. yes, I I love it. (laughs) 
I really feel like I don't have much to say about the book other than I loved all the historical stuff and the, the goddesses and mentions of knights, Templars and all of mm-hmm. that. Um, and the romance took me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, this I, is a romance novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a romance. I feel like it's a good setup. Like, now I'm intrigued. Yeah. I need to go read the rest of the books. Yeah, Which did. I think the main mm-hmm. character in this one is still in those books. Yep. Is she? Okay. Okay. Yeah, the okay. second one, um, yeah, her kind of trouble is basically the other half of the romance, for lack of a better. And then seventh key is the sort of epilogue to their story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aaron, what did you think? Because was this your first bombshell read? This is my first bombshell read. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I I was taken a little surprise um, by surprise by the almost hint at a love triangle there. There it it seemed like it was it was trying to plant that idea, but you know by by the end of the book, you know that mm-hmm. Reese was kind of just on the sidelines there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> poor Reese. <laughs> yeah, I know, poor guy. Because like I wrote down too that like uh, when he was being supportive, you know, after uh, she had found Lex's listening device and was really it was really upset and everything, you know, he was being so nice to her and everything, and then she just like jumps back to Lex like within the next page or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And just little, little notes I wrote to myself about like, uh, don't trust that woman. Like, you, know, you, didn't, you didn't ask her the phrase or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I liked how, how just deep the lore went, like even yeah. for, a lot of the the just actual historical stuff in there uh, she obviously had to do her research to you know not misinterpret anything but then also put her own layer of mythos uh, yep. to it and everything mm-hmm. so the um the depth the of storytelling rhymes like yeah. having nursery rhymes in there it's like mm-hmm. who would have thought right but come on now it's so genius mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. well i enjoyed it i feel like it's hard to talk about category romance because you don't want to spoil it, <laughs> which yeah. mm-hmm. this book is, I mean, this is thicker <laughs> than yes. what we get now, but still mm-hmm. like, I don't want to spoil it. So share some of your fa- other favorites from the line. Like Sarah, I know you read it. Stacey, you have a ton. So let's get into some recommendations. Share what you think everybody should go pick up. Jenna Mill Veiled Legacy by Jenna Mills is also um, a favorite of mine. Um, I have a sucker. I, as I said, I am a sucker for the impossible relationship to people who should not be together, who in fact are um, and end up being so. Um, this is another set of those people. Um, it is the sixth of seven books in the Madonna Key series. Um, I think they do a pretty good job of like giving you the details, but like if you want the anticipation and the understanding as to why this is a really horrible idea for our main female character um, and sort of setting up the backstory as to like the kind of individual that our main male character is in this, in this story, then in the conflict that he has, then you should but if you can get this one, then you can absolutely, you will absolutely be able to follow it. And it's kind of amazing. So um, the Madonna w- Key is one of like the kind of well-known bombshell series. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it was an author-driven continuity series. It was series. a continuity. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was an author-driven continuity series. I want to say like, yes, 
three authors, four authors. Um, and it was, it was a really great series um, about uh, putting together a tapis- tapestry to save the world, basically. Yeah. As you do. I am trying to get my hands on those Medusa books and like Mm -hmm. there's this seller on eBay and this is how they trick you. They'll put one book in one lot and sell it for like $69 and then they'll put the other two in another lot and sell it for $69 and I'm like you (laughs) asshole. Put them together. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my you can't gosh. break up the band. You can't yes. break up the band. <laughs> you can't. Exactly. Oh my god. You can't break up you can't break up the squadron. No. Right. Yeah. Gosh. Oh my god, I tell you. Um the other one I wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to is um my one sort of own my the only book that I own of the Athena Force series, which is a bedrock of of the bombshell line um this is cindy d's target um our heroine is uh attempting to figure out who is trying to kill the elected the president elect of the united states as you do (laughs) what about you sarah what were some of your faves I, I still have to go back to the first one. Um, daughter, was it Daughter of Destiny by Lindsay McKenna? Mm-hmm. It just holds a special place in my heart because it was my first. I <laughs> and I first. Just, it's a great book. I, I think she, uh, I read it a few years ago, reread it a few years ago. She was what, a helicopter pilot, I think? I think so. I, I can't right. remember the main character. But anyway, those one, that one I really liked. But actually, one of my favorite series outside of the Evelyn Vaughn ones was the one by Nancy Bartholomew, um, Stella Get Your Gun. Oh, yeah. It was like, it. I it, I had such of the Stephanie Plum mm-hmm. yep. books by, yeah, Jan of the whole female mm-hmm. bounty hunter. I'm like, yep. come on. <laughs> they were fantastic. And they also, from what I remember, had a great bit of humor in them as well. Like not, it wasn't a comedy, but just that sarcastic wit that I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Yeah. So those, that's what I would have to say. And Something Wicked is still my favorite. I reread it every few years and I love it. What are our theories on why Bombshell went away? Because we love talking theories. Why would a series like this go away? Not enough romance, I want to say. They started to like, if memory serves, they started to play with the books in strange ways. And like, I think once they like, once they start doing that, you know, the line is doomed in a lot of ways. Like, (laughs) how was it marketed at the time? It, I don't really, it was just like, if memory serves, like there wasn't very much fanfare, like in bookstores for it, because like, I, th- I mean, I know that our store didn't allow us to put out the like random stuff that came with the boxes. So like just the books, basically okay. where we were allowed, but like they had extras, but like, generally speaking, like they were doing, they had a great online community for bombshell readers. They had like, I think they may have put stuff in the, um, in the newsletters that we were not allowed to put out, but like, not necessarily very much. And I think that's the thing. Like, they were getting their readership from outside category. Of course, the next, I want to say the next line that they tried, like, thereafter was, like, basically, like, a category line for people who didn't read category, if that makes any sense. That was the next one. They Like, literally, that was next, and that was the next one they picked up. Hi. Oh, I remember the next line. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. And I was just like, like, that one made no, no sense to me. No, it didn't. Like going going it didn't. From, yeah, like going from bombshell, like that's 
and which is kind of why I didn't I was kind of annoyed by the whole like closure of the line if that makes any sense like I genuinely think that like category is one of those hard category lines is one of those hard things and sometimes you throw spaghetti at the wall and hope it sticks like (laughs) theoretically like it's a great idea sure category length women's fiction oh no was this Everlast was it the Everlast no this was a series called Next this was the everlasting was next. Everlasting was after that. After next, yeah. <laughs> oh. Also, like, what were they thinking exactly? Um, <laughs> like, oh, Sarah, theory- you need to do another Ghost of Category Past video. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought about the next line. You know why I don't think about that one? Because in my brain at the time when I put it together, Category to me is harlequin you you go in the bookstore and you know they all look the same now mm-hmm. we know about julie and and such right and that's different but next never struck me as that i didn't see yeah. it as category but you're right like of course it was that's it was why literally called it. next yeah it was literally called next and and all of the characters from my understanding is i think the big driving thing was that they were older yeah am i right yeah they were older and it was women as i said it was women's fiction for yes category which yes. And the thing is, when you think about women's fiction, right? Like, you think about trade paperbacks. You don't think about category. And so, like, literally their whole – like, every five minutes they would be changing the packaging, hoping to, like – Draw somebody else in. Exactly. But the problem is the way that they were – like, there are very specific sections and places and bookstores where category goes. Yes. They're very distinguishable. Yeah. People looking for women's fiction are not going to be looking there. And no. people people who are looking at category, who know exactly what they want, they came for very the blaze. specific. <laughs> Either the blazes or the desires or the presents. Like one of the things that happened semi regularly was the women who specifically came in and wanted their books by their people. Mm-hmm. They would come in long day. They would know exactly when they'd come in, and they would come in every day. And pick mm-hmm. one and then go to, you know, next day. Like, they would read them on the subway. Like, mm-hmm. professional working women, they wanted their books. They didn't want this random whatever this was over there. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the people looking for, like, the women's fiction, the trade paperback women's fiction, weren't going anywhere near, near that category. category. No. No. Yeah. Shelving nope. is really important, I think. I think yeah, shelving location, is really shelving. Important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, bombshell is an easier crossover. Because all you're doing mm-hmm. is you're moving people from, like, again, like the romantic thrillers over to Bombshell or Paranormal over to Bombshell. Easy, right? Mm-hmm. Same shelf. You know, same sets of shelving. Like, you know, it's not, a, it's not a bridge too far to cross. Yeah. Before we started recording, you were talking a NASCAR book. Tell us the title. Talk about the series. <laughs> you had The Blaze yes. Time Travel. Did you? Yes, I do. So um, there was, I was part of, when I was a bookseller, um, basically this was like, the I think in a lot of ways, like sort of like a period of like um, Harlequin, sort of Harlequin silhouette ex- excellency in like certain aspects of it. Um, I want to, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, but they basically, Harlequin signed a deal with, with NASCAR. Uh, with NASCAR. Yep. Uh-huh. Because... Yep, that was the fr- that was was that the first anthology? I think so. Okay, is it like uh, Pamela? A, Nas- a very and NASCAR like- holiday. Nancy Warren, Deborah Webb, and Gina Wilkins. 
Okay, so yeah, that was the first Christmas. Yeah, that was the first Christmas anthology yeah. um, that they did. Um, there was one of the stories was like someone trying to like basically like see if a NASCAR driver was an athlete was basically the sort of like like under like sort of subtext of that story it was like like one right. with, the heroine was a doctor. Yeah, um, yeah, that was the first one, and then they had um, oh my gosh, and then they had they had a bunch then, of the anthologies, but then they also yep. brought out. Um, like not like just a line. Yep. Yep. They didn't last very long. No, they did not because they yes. didn't know they didn't know what to, they didn't know what to do with it. So I have Roxanne St. Clair's Thunderstruck. Mm -hmm. This was published in two thousand seven. Um, our main male character is basically what if David Beckham had retired from soccer to um, and decided that he wanted to buy into a NASCAR team. Our main female character is a member of the family who owns the team. Mm -hmm. um, her father had recently died and sort of stands as like the, basically what she sort of um, tries to live her, she tries to live up to his expectations and what he okay. sort of wanted the team to be. And chaos and amazingness ensues. And it's Roxanne yeah. Sinclair. So she's really, really good at like drawing the emotion into the story. And it's yeah. just a really great sort of, um, it's a really great romance. It's a really great racing story. Um, it was interesting because I thought about this like ages ago and like I learned a lot about NASCAR itself through these books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was right around the time when um, NASCAR still had their gala, their final race in New York. And I remember like the last year that they had it, they also had a, a fair at the Hard Rock in the basement of the Hard Rock Cafe where like, you know, there were different booths and stuff like that, including, and I think, was it Pamela Britton who was there? And I was like all excited because it was like, oh my God, romance and NASCAR, am I in the same place? It's kind of amazing. But um, I just am so fascinated that NASCAR literally oh yeah. started from bootlegging. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. it's just, it's, that's where it started. <laughs> Moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of amazing, right? Like, yeah. those, yep. like speeding through those back roads. Yes. But like, I loved, um, I'm trying to remember if like, I know Francis Ray had a single title racing book and I know that Brenda Jackson was actually part of the second anthology. I think so. Yeah, the second Christmas anthology. Yep. And then, um, Brain is not working today, but going back to the Bombshell series, um, Natalie Dunbar had a single title book in that series, but she was also part of the It Girl series. So You're like a category it. historian, okay? okay? Well, I was a bookseller at the time, so I had to remember no. all of this yeah, stuff. Like, and right. I had to remember, like, and I was like, I sat down and, like, wrote a whole bunch of notes before I came, you know, before I, like, joined the recording because I was like I mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that I had like all of the information all prepped to go like mentally because <laughs> like again like you know if when you're when you're shelving when you're organizing you know you get the, all of the all of the details and all the information but you don't necessarily think about them until you actually need them and then yeah true so yeah can you share with us what we have coming up next from you 
So what I can say is that I've just sent a short story called What Happens at Comic-Con to a beta reader. The short, it takes place in between History of Us and Love and Latkes and is based on a throwaway line uttered by the hero of History of Us to the heroine of Love and Latkes in that book about like an, about a trip to Comic-Con the year before. They have a mutual fandom. And okay. so when the mutual fandom is about to make an announcement at New York Comic-Con, they go. So the whole group goes and it's just great fun and it's chaos and it's wonderful. Um, it's going to be, and it will be the freebie for my newsletter as oh, soon nice. as it gets proofread and copy edited and all that kind of lovely stuff. Um, and there will be more news, but I cannot say yet. Well, that always means good things. Yes, that does. Yeah. That does. <laughs> Do you feel like we're going to see more Jewish romances, more Hanukkah romances? Yes. I am so thrilled that that's happening. Like, it's interesting because, you know, when we talk about category, right? Like, the first, I want to say it's 2000, it was 2009. Um, like, if memory serves, um, Candle for Nick, um, Silhouette Special Edition was the first. Mm like Hanukkah romance I remember seeing. Wow. 2009. Um, yeah. Like think that's of like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's the thing. Like, you know, you go back to like, um, Zoe Archer. Um, sorry. Burning bright came out in 2004. It was an anthology under the American romance line. It was a Christian Jewish and then a Yule. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that was but, in 2004, oh. but that yeah. was part of an anthology. Yeah, exactly. And then I want to mm-hmm. say like, and then, um, Oh God, what's her name? It's going to drive me nuts. Lorna Michaels mm-hmm. wrote candle for Nick, the single title. So, and then, um, so it's, it's been a journey. Like I think about that. And then I think about, um, you know, 2015 and burning bright from Avon. And then, um, I think about like all of the stories that have come in between then and like the authors that have kind of pushed the doors open, Rose Lerner, um, Felicia Grossman, yes. um, Rosie Danan. Like there are some really great writers that are getting the chance to like bust open those doors. And mm-hmm. I I love that. I love that so much. Um what was the, oh god there was a category this rebecca crowley as well of course jennifer grayson's holidays in manhattan you know zoe archer's lady x's cowboy from dorchester like there's some like really but like older stuff and newer stuff and i love the fact that like i don't like the fact that it's taken so long i was about to say why is it taken mm-hmm. so long yeah yeah it's it's a it's a thing that like you okay, know, I don't, I don't want to like do this, but I'm going to do it. I kind of yeah. feel like, cause Sarah and I chat about Halloween and romance all the mm-hmm. time. And we, we like, we get real, real about it. And I'm like, <laughs> is it a religious thing? Is it a religious thing? Like romance is still very, especially in category. We yes. have very North American default. religions, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Like the Christian default, right? Like people talk yeah. about defaults all the time. Um, and as they bust through defaults in Desire, which I'm so very, Desire and Presents, I'm so very mm-hmm. happy about, like, this is another default that needs busting through. Yeah. 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 But you the know, thing that I notice as a reader, unless you're reading Love Inspired, Christmas books are not about Christmas. Yeah. Not the true, do you know what I'm saying? They're not I about the religion. Which is why, exactly. Yeah. So I don't understand, you know? Right, yeah. Well, yeah, I right. mean, again, you know, it's that cultural Christian thing, right? Like, yeah. it's a default. 
Mm -hmm. Like people, you know, there's this assumption, you know, you know, we talk about, as I said, we talk about defaults all the time when like we're saying it's a really awful idea to have the white default in publishing. Same thing with Christian defaults, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. Christian defaults don't belong either. Like Christmas is still Christmas, no matter whether we're celebrating it as a religious, people are celebrating it as a religious holiday or not, because there's this connotation of Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. Which Mm -hmm. is why, like, I love seeing, you know, not only Hanukkah in category, but like, I love the possibility of seeing other holidays too, like Diwali. Like there's, again, there's tons of different amazing holidays that deserve to, to, to step up and sort of, you know, and, 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 join like i would but i also love to see other jewish holidays um and other like religious holidays from all different cultures and faiths mm-hmm. like um the love all year anthology that i was part of last year and that happened this year as well um is an ex- wonderful example of like a group of so many amazing holidays that aren't christian mm-hmm. yeah um and like like last year's like both like the the variation of holidays in both of these anthologies is amazing and i think it's like it's one of those things like you think about like what creates these stories like what's what sits at the center of the stories what tropes are there because of course like there's always tropes in holiday stories right like Mm -hmm. the perfect holiday the perfect you know the perfect holiday thing the perfect celebration you know like people who don't like to celebrate the holiday and people who do like mm-hmm. yeah the, the and the specific holiday question you know holiday topics like oh maybe which you know which foods do you like best you know which comes into the conversation about like you know applesauce or sour cream but like you know like it's this whole idea of like realizing there is a default getting rid of that default and opening the door to Mm -hmm. people who can write stories that are not attached to that default one of the things we we talked about offline sarah and i we were like oh my god i was like we're getting all these witch stories and she said something to me she was like yeah but it's more of that like magical witch samantha from bewitched witch yeah like Mm -hmm. why can't we just have everyday woman that like goes to work and can't twinkle her nose and make like magic mm-hmm. happen but like is a kitchen witch or whatever and she i'm like this yeah. is a different religious belief the stuff that we're getting feels safe it still feels mm-hmm. paranormal ish yeah yes yep. yes default yeah default mm-hmm. absolutely like how do you get past the default what do you do you know like jennifer grayson I, you know i go back to jen grayson right for me Right, mm-hmm. Jennifer Grayson's interfaith book, you know, they couldn't, you know, her mix of both Christmas and Hanukkah made paved the way for a Hanukkah book. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the um brain is not working today, but like maybe the the, the current crop of, of books of paranormal witch books will open the way to a more um like a Wiccan, yeah. you know, I just found out this morning that one of my favorite bands is going to make their Grand Ole Opry debut, a thing that I never expected to ever hear in my lifetime. So <laughs> like a Jewish bluegrass band playing at the Opry, right? Awesome. Like never yeah. in a million years would I have believed that. And yet it happened this morning. So who knows? Yeah. Anything and everything is possible. And I love, and I love that. So make the Grand Ole Opry happen in romance. Exactly. Okay. Let's like, make it happen. Like, open the door, like, get rid of the defaults, get rid of all of those defaults, like, Mm -hmm. and open the door, 
You know, yeah. so many people deserve to see themselves centered. So many Absolutely. people deserve to see their culture centered. Yeah. So many people deserve to see themselves centered and see Absolutely. themselves deserving of love on the page. Like, mm-hmm. let's do this. Mm-hmm. Yes. So share where everybody can follow and keep up with you online. So I am NY Stacy on Twitter, S Agdern on Instagram, Stacy A Agdern on Facebook. Um, I, my website is stacyagdern.com. And if you sign up for my newsletter on the MailChimp link, you can find it in my Twitter bio. You'll get the um, short story called Good Friends and Good Books, which sits between Miracles and Menorahs and History of Us. Got it. Well, all of that will be linked below. Erin, mm-hmm. where can everybody keep up with you? So I am uh, on the channel The Book Brood on YouTube. And then I am A underscore T-A-Y one two two zero at Twitter. Well, thank you both for hanging out with mm-hmm. us tonight. This has been so much fun. Yes. I loved this. Please come yes, back. Thank you for having us. We'll have to do it again. I know. <laughs> Next time we do a NASCAR book. Yes. Oh, yeah. There we go. Sign mm-hmm. us up. Yes. yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> well, listeners, make sure you check the show notes. All the links to where you can keep up with Stacy and Aaron will be there. And Sarah and I will talk with you in our next episode. Have a lovely day, everybody. Bye.